Well, good morning, Crossroads. I am so glad that you have joined us today. We are wrapping up our series called You Are Loved. And I'm going to be honest right out of the gate. I believe now more than ever that this message is something that needs to be embraced by everyone. Listen to me. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. This is a truth that we've been diving into. The other truth that we dove into last week is the reality that God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him. And this speaks to the process of us daily surrendering, daily growing, and daily becoming more like Jesus. When I do that, I am living life to the fullest. I'm living into the purpose and into the plan that God has for me. And I'm walking in his love. The problem is that the devil is a liar. The devil is an accuser. And he's always going to bring up all the junk that's in your closet. And he's never going to want you to live in the joy and the peace and the, the fullness of life that God longs for you to experience. And I want you to know today that there is nothing you can do that will ever make God love you less. I want you to think about that reality for a second. There's nothing that you can do that will ever make God love you less. I think sometimes we hold on to all of the things that we've done. We walk in shame. And the reality today is that we were not made to walk in shame. We were made to walk in God's love. You are his child. You are his prized possession. And when we listen to the lies of the devil, when we listen to his accusations, and he brings up all the reasons why we should be unforgivable and unworthy and unlovable, what happens? We begin walking in shame instead of walking in God's love. And I'm telling you right now, the life that God longs for you, the purpose and the plan that he has created you for, is a life that is marked by walking in his love, remembering who you are deciding each and every day to not be overwhelmed by the lies of the devil, not to be consumed by your shame, but to remember who you are, remember that you've been bought with a price, that you are the prized possession of a God who loves you with an extravagant love, and walking daily in that love. Because there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you less. And I think no story illustrates this better than the story of Moses, who is the top two prophet in the Old Testament. It basically comes down to Moses and Elijah. These are the most famous prophets in the Old Testament, the men in the Old Testament that God used in the most extraordinary of ways. And yet it says in Scripture that Moses lived to be 120 years old. I mean, that's a pretty good run. 120 years, he really did it, right? Here's the thing. For the first 80 years of his life, 80 years, I mean, raise your hand if you're less than 80. You have a lot of life ahead of you if you're Moses, all right? Here's the thing. For the first 80 years of his life, he was unable to live into the purpose and plan that God had for him. Think about all that time squandered and the reality that God still used him to be one of the most amazing prophets, one of the most amazing leaders of the entire Old Testament. Think about the reality that He was born as a slave, a Hebrew slave. He was found in the Nile River by the princess. He's able to grow up as a prince of Egypt, but a man without a country. He had all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of great perks of being the prince of Egypt, and yet he still was a man without a country. He was a man filled with scars. He's the guy who went out in in a moment of just wanting to make things right and getting a little righteous indignation. He kills an Egyptian who's beating one of his Hebrew fellow slaves. He's not really sure which direction in life he's supposed to go. He's he's a man without a country. He doesn't have an identity. And it's in this moment where he murders this man that all of a sudden he isn't a friend of anyone. He's run out of Egypt and he's lost everything. Any prestige he had from being the prince of Egypt, any bond that he might have had with, with his Hebrew people, it's gone. He's on the run. He's squandered everything. 
And think about the reality that for 40 years, it says Moses was out in the countryside. He had become a shepherd. I mean, it's a crazy juxtaposition to think how far this guy has fallen. And you think about 40 years of listening to the lies of the devil, of you're not lovable, you're not worthy, there's no way that you could ever be forgiven. Listening to those accusations against you and, and forgetting that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him. The truth that there's nothing you can do that makes God love you less. When we buy into these lies, it takes us down a completely separate path than what God wants us to experience in life. And what's crazy about this story is that I want to pick up in Exodus 3 because we find Moses out in the hillside after 40 years guarding the sheep. And it says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And what's great is that when you look at like the Greek, uh, the Hebrew, the, the old school versions of the Bible, it basically the transition is Moses killed a guy, he runs out, he finds himself in Egypt, and it's basically, here now is Moses, like 40 years later, and nothing has happened, all right? It's like, oh my goodness, he was the prince of Egypt, he had everything in front of him, he could have done some amazing things, and here now is Moses, and it's not a great picture, all right? He's out in the wilderness tending the flocks of his father-in-law. It says, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Things are getting interesting. Something is different. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. I mean, it's the reaction I think every single one of us would have had. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, which is an extraordinary moment in and of itself. The voice of God speaking to Moses. This is different. This is not normal. This is a defining moment in the life of Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I love this moment because everything is turned upside down. And why is everything different? It's, it's just because of the sheer presence of God. God and his presence took an ordinary landscape, an ordinary piece of dirt, an ordinary bush, and made this into a sacred and holy place. God was still near. God had not gone anywhere. And now, because Moses is suddenly encountering the presence of God, what once was ordinary is now sacred. It's holy. The presence of God is here. And Moses is going through all kinds of reactions right now because in one, one singular moment, he's realizing, I've not been forgotten. I've not been abandoned. God is with me. And he's overwhelmed in this moment that he's having an interaction with God. It says, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. 
So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is exactly how we describe when like, I want to buy a new house. It's amazing. It's a, it's a house flowing with milk and honey, right? It just means it's a land of abundance. Everything you could ever hope for, everything you could ever desire flows out of this land. You want to be, this is pristine property. Location, location, location. This is it. This is the place that God has prepared, the promised land for his people. And so he says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've, I've seen now how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. And so far, I think Moses is tracking. He's saying, yes, God, lead my people out of Egypt. This is great. I'm with you. But then <laughs> the twist, God says to Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I? to appear before Pharaoh. I mean, can you imagine just how overwhelming that is? I, 40 years of being out in the wilderness, blowing a huge opportunity. You were the prince of Egypt, living from the guilt and the shame of murdering someone and just being on the run. 40 years of listening to the lies of the devil accusing you, saying you are unlovable, you are unforgivable, you are unworthy. 40 years of that. Moses encountering God, God saying, Moses, you're the guy. I want you to lead my people. And Moses' response is just at this point, <laughs> who am I to lead these people of Israel out of Egypt? It, it can't be me. It has to be someone else. But God says to him, Moses, I will be with you does not matter how many times the devil has told you that lie, how much he's accused you of all the things that you have done. You are not unlovable. You are not unworthy. You are not unforgivable. Moses, I am with you. What an amazing moment. And what an incredible reality to realize that that's, that's you. That's me. It doesn't matter what I've done. There's nothing that I can do that makes God love me less. God loves me. There's nothing that I can do about that. And I think too often we fall into the trap of listening to the lies of the devil, that you're unlovable, that you're unworthy, that you're unforgivable. It's simply not true. I want to challenge you today with the reality that God is with you. He loves you with an extravagant love, and he is calling you. He is desperately calling you to turn yourself around, to chase after him with everything that you have, to live fully into this purpose and into this plan that he has for you. He is with you. You were not made to walk in shame. You were made to walk in his love. And we have to embrace that love. We have to commit to taking those steps to become more like him so we can live fully, again, into the purpose and plan that he has for us. This is the life that he's calling us to. And you are not beyond reach. You are not unlovable. You are not unforgivable. You are not unworthy. You are his child. You are his prized possession. And I want you to know today he loves you with an extravagant love. There's nothing you can do about that. And i got to challenge you today with this idea that, that guilt and shame are two different things. Guilt, I mean, guilt happens because it's a feeling of responsibility or remorse for something that I have done, right? When I feel guilt, usually that is, is the Holy Spirit convicting me because I've done something wrong. And listen to me, guilt is actually a good thing because guilt, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, it leads me to repentance. It leads me to that place where I say, God, I have sinned. I have fallen short, and, and I'm sorry. I'm turning away from this. I do not want this to be a part of who I am. 
all of a sudden that barrier is gone. You are walking exactly where you want, want to be as a child of God who's been forgiven. There's no barrier between you and your relationship with God. Guilt is a good thing when it's the Holy Spirit convicting you, when you're responding, when you're turning away from what it is that you need to get rid of in your life. But shame is something completely different. Shame is when I just walk with a total sense of worthlessness. Shame is when I buy into the lie that the devil tells me that I am unlovable, that there's no way God loves me. Shame is when I buy into the lie that I'm unforgivable. There's no way God could forgive me from what I have done. Man, shame tells me that I am unworthy. I, 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 there's no way that God could call me his child. And when I walk in shame, that just feeds my insecurity. It feeds my fear. It prevents me from, from walking in love. It prevents me from living into this life that God has called me to. Shame is a killer. We were not made to walk in shame. That's, I, I, you can't forget this today. You can't miss this. We were not made to walk in shame. We were made to walk in God's love. And I tell you, one of the most beautiful pictures of this in the, in the Bible are found in Luke 15 in the parable of the lost son. This is an unbelievable moment that I think challenges all of us because it's the realization of how God sees us and who he longs for us to be. This is an incredible moment where you realize that the main point of this story that Jesus tells is that God gladly receives those who repent, who turn away from these things in their life that, that shouldn't be there and come back to him. It does not matter what you have done. There is nothing that you can do that makes God love you less. Check out this story. I, I, just, I love this. It's Jesus talking here. He says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. I mean, this is a, a loving relationship, right? Make no mistake. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. I mean, what we, what we see here is that the younger child, he was deceived. He was buying the lies of the devil that the devil tells us all. You're going to find all the pleasure, all, all your worth in, in seeking after pleasure and possessions and power and prestige. That's what life should be all about. That's the lie that the devil tells us. And we spend all of our time, all of our effort chasing these things that simply don't fulfill. These things never fulfill that void in our soul, and they always take us farther down the path than we ever believed we would ever go. But the younger son, he's buying the lie. He's going all in on this wild living. He wants to party, all right? And so he's going all in on this lifestyle. It says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine <clears throat> swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. I mean, this is the moment where you realize you've hit rock bottom. You squandered all of your wealth. You thought you could party your way to happiness, and nothing worked. It never fulfilled. It just took you farther down the road than you ever dreamed it would take you. And now you're working for the local farmer, feeding the pigs, and you're eating the food that they're feeding the pigs. And that stuff, I just want to tell you, is disgusting. It's all the slop. It's all the leftovers. It's terrible. This is rock bottom. Trust me on this. You don't want to be in this situation. And so he's deceived. Now he's desperate because his lifestyle that he thought would fulfill him has taken him way farther than he ever thought he would go. He has hit rock bottom. And these are the moments, I think, where the devil finds us, and he tells us again that lie, that you're unlovable, you're unforgivable, you're unworthy, where we get consumed by our own fears and insecurities, that there's no way that God loves me. You were not made to walk in shame. You were made to walk in God's love. 
Consider how this story unwraps, unfolds. It says, but no one gave him anything. I mean, no one cares about him, right? He's at the, he's at, literally, he's at rock bottom. He has nothing and no one cares. So he comes to his senses. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. It says, so he returned home to his father. And I want to stop right there for a second because I, this is big. We can't miss this. This is a moment. It says when he, when he came to his senses, this is a moment of repentance. This is a moment of decision that I would contend is a defining decision that we all have to come to in our lives. It's that realization that I don't want to live this way any longer. And then it's the realization of the truth about God's love. Because God loves me, because I am his child, because there's nothing I can do that makes God love me less, I don't have to live this way any longer. I wasn't made to walk in shame. I was made to walk in God's love. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we have these defining decisions in our lives, where we realize, listen, I don't want to live this way any longer. And I realized this is not who I want to be anymore. When I turn my back, when I turn away from all these things that have taken me away from the life that God has called me to, and I say, God, this is not what my life is going to be about anymore, I'm turning to you. Those are the defining decisions in our moment, in our lives, that change everything. That's where I stop walking in shame. That's where I turn to Jesus and I start walking in his love. Shame is, is the lie of the devil. It's the devil telling me I'm unforgivable, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy. There's no way that God would receive me. And yet one of the most beautiful pictures of God's love in the Bible is found right here because it says when he came to his senses, he returned home to his father, and it says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. This is the picture of how God loves you doesn't matter how unlovable, unforgivable, unworthy you may feel. doesn't matter how much you've been consumed with your own shame. When you have those defining decisions in your life where you say, this is not who I want to be, it's time to turn away from this stuff and turn to Jesus. doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. God loves you just the way you are. He refuses to leave you this way. He wants you to become more like him. And then there's that huge truth that there's nothing that you can do that makes God love you less. And when you turn to Jesus, when you have that defining decision in your life, that's a moment that changes everything. God is waiting to receive you with his arms wide open. In fact, he's running to you to embrace you, to meet you. And I want you to know today that you are not unlovable. You are not unworthy. You are not unforgivable. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. I love how this story continues. This is amazing. Because what you realize is while shame condemns me, love has compassion on me. That's what Jesus sees. He sees someone coming home. It says, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. He's buying the lie. He's consumed by his shame. Shame makes me a servant. But I tell you what, God's not cool with that. <laughs> love, God's love, it makes me a son. It makes me his daughter. I am his child. He loves me with that extravagant love. 
The response is, his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. That's my son. Get a ring for his finger (laughs) and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He is lost, but now he is found. And it says the party began. I mean, that's God's love for us. It does not matter what you have done. Man, God loves you. And sometimes other people don't see that. I mean, shame consumes me with what was lost, right? That's where I live. Love celebrates what has been found. And not everybody's always going to see that. The older brother in this story had a real problem with that. He had to overcome that, right? He had the feelings of, of being overlooked himself. That's a whole different side of the story. But the reality is, the point of this story is that God gladly welcomes those who are repentant of their sin. There is nothing that you can do that makes God love you less. He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. He loves you just the way you are. He wants you to become more like him. And I just want to challenge you today with the reality that you are loved. We were not made to walk in shame. We were made to walk in God's love. And I would just ask you today as we come to a close, what's the defining decision in your life that God is drawing you to? What is it that you need to repent of in your life? Is there a barrier right now that is a wall between you and God that you just need to realize, (laughs) I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't have to live this way anymore. If I'm willing to just make that choice, that defining decision, to turn away from whatever it is that's keeping me from living fully into that life that God longs longs for me to live, now is that moment. I I contend that right now could be that defining moment in your relationship with God, where you have a defining decision that changes the course of your life. I also contend that defining decisions are followed up by daily decisions. It's all about winning the day. And I think a lot of us deal with with hurts, habits, hang-ups, addictions that have been lifelong struggles, and you think, there's no way I can just stop cold turkey. There's no way I could be perfect. Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, too. The the process of living the, the life that God has called us to in holiness is filled with ups and downs. No one is perfect But it starts with this defining decision of, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't have to live in this way way anymore. I am turning to Jesus. I'm giving this all to him. And then that is followed up by that daily decision of every single day saying, just like Daniel did in the Old Testament, I will choose to not defile myself today. I will choose to be like Jesus. I will choose to walk in his love. Guys, that is the life that God has called us to. We were not made to walk in shame. We were made to walk in his love. And I... I I want to challenge you today, draw close to Jesus, choose to walk in his love. Shame tells you that you're unforgivable, that you're unlovable, that you're unworthy. (laughs) No, not God's love. God tells us we are his children, that he loves us and there's nothing that we can do about that. God tells us we are his prized possession. God's love is filled with compassion. He longs for us to walk with him. And I just challenge you today, I, I couldn't challenge you any more than... This, is, this bleeds out of my heart. Make a defining decision today. Whatever's holding you back, lay that down at the feet of Jesus. It's time to choose to walk in his love. It's time to let go and to live in this life that he's called us to. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Just wherever you're watching, I would just ask that you would take this opportunity to make a defining decision where you're realizing I've been walking in guilt and shame. There are things in my life that shouldn't be there. They've been a barrier between myself and God. And I've been listening to the lies of the devil. He's been accusing me. He's been bringing up all this stuff that's been in my closet. And I've been buying into that lie that I'm somehow unlovable, I'm unforgivable, and I'm unworthy. And I'm just challenging you right now.
to claim the love that God has for you. You are loved. I want to challenge you today. It's time to stop walking in shame. It's time to lay that shame down at the feet of Jesus. It's time to let go of the things that have been holding you back and, and choose to become more like him. It's time for a defining decision. And so as we close, I just want to pray this prayer over you today. Jesus, I ask that you would give us strength, wisdom, and courage to take the steps that we need to take right now, each and every single one of us, wherever we're watching, wherever we're at, right now, God, I just pray that you would help each of us to listen to that voice, to your Holy Spirit convicting us, drawing us closer to you, to be willing in this moment to make a defining decision where I choose the reality that I don't have to live this way anymore, I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I choose to walk in your love. I choose to walk in your life. I choose to walk in your freedom, and I choose you, Jesus. May you give us the power to live for you each and every day, God, and may you help us to walk in your joy and your peace and in your freedom because that is what we have in you. And we celebrate that, Jesus, because of who you are and the incredible love that you have for us today. And so we love you, we praise you, and we give you thanks today because you are good. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.